have your Bible, you can turn to Ecclesiastes chapter uh, 1, one uh, 12 through 18. Before we get into it, we're going to pray this prayer, and then I'm going to read the text, and then we'll kind of we'll dive right in. So if you guys would, pray this prayer with me. Lord, give us life as we seek you and your kingdom with a whole heart, as we attempt to fear you and keep your commandments. Let our life be found in Christ, led by the Holy Spirit, as we walk in the arena of God's great mysteries. Ecclesiastes 1, 12 through 18. I, the preacher, have been over king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under, this whole, under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after the wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived that this is also but a striving after the wind. For in much wisdom is vexation. And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Uh, There has been no other text in scripture for a long time that's made me long for the good old days like this has. Now, I, I know that there are really no such thing as good old days, right? Um, but I didn't always know that. Sometime at one point in my life, I thought, hey, life and this world is just a super wonderful place. And then the learning of the, the, the true facts of this world have caused uh, sorrow. In fact, Mo and I have this saying in our house, how come all the good books are sad books? Like, how come all the good books kind of just do something in you that means sorrow? And I think it's because it speaks about reality. But, um, but the truth of it is, is that with wisdom and knowledge comes much vexation. It, it really is an unhappy business. And so this last week, as I was reflecting on this and thinking about this and praying through it, um, I was stressed out about sabbatical. And for those that don't know what sabbatical is in May, June, and July, so we get three months, um, I get to take off and we get to go and just take a, a rest. We've been a church plant. I've been actually, I've been church planting for over 10 years. So it's going to, it's a, it's a good, going to be a good break to just get away. And so as I was uh, for the last nine months, so we've had this thing where we're planned out, we were going to be in a certain place in a certain time and we had the plan down and then that fell through and it's kind of left Mo and I scrambling, which we don't really enjoy doing to figure things out and work through. And so this week I had stuff all over my board and I was trying to figure it all out and see where we were going, see what we we're going to do. And my life was full of this massive problem in my life, right? This wonderful thing where I get three months off and I got to figure out what to do in that three months. Yeah. Yeah. So in, I guess Josiah thinks it's not awful because Legoland might be in the plan. So is in the plans, but it was, uh, I was pretty much oblivious to everything that was going on in this world. I was pretty much just like, I I couldn't figure out uh, anything. I wasn't super attentive to my family and I wasn't thinking, I certainly wasn't thinking of, um, uh, the woes of this world. I was just kind of inside my own head in my own world, dreaming and planning. But then when I kind of pulled my head up for a few minutes and I look at the news, 
and all the wars and rumors of wars that are in this world and the different views of the different sides and wondering why our nation sends money to other countries just to buy weapons and why um, uh, and wondering uh, what side is telling the truth on their particular from their particular views and how can I trust the media and I, I have friends in both countries and neighbors in both countries in fact in this schools the wars that I heard about at least this week the, um, this school is full of both sides of that war and so we can pray for them um, but and I, I hate all the death and the sadness and the confusion that comes along with this and just learning that the little that I have about the wars that are going on in this world, I think vexation seems to be the right word that comes with that knowledge. Just kind of like, man, it's an unhappy business that we are about. I, I often wonder, and particularly getting ready for Ecclesiastes and getting into this, I better if some, I wonder if it sometime is better to live in your own little, I don't want to say little in a demeaning way, but your own world than to pay attention in all the world around us. I wonder if it's better. The world around us has problems all over it, right? And they never seem to be getting better. And, or, or it'll be like one thing gets better, but then like 10 other things will pop up and it'll, it'll just seem like uh, five others or 10 others are getting worse. And the more that we know about the world's problems, the more that we see and the more that we see, the more painful it can become if we kind of let it in. And the problems that are, that are, are out there, they don't have simple solutions. And most of the time, it's like trying to make a, a crooked, uh, what is straight crooked, just as like this text says. And you know what? We can't do that. We can't do that. We try and we try and it just doesn't work. We are not, we're not good enough or smart enough um, because there are unintended consequences even when we're trying to do good work. Even when we're trying to do good work, there are unintended consequences or there are frustrations with the good works that we're trying to do or there's motivations that we don't always have, like our motivations aren't always pure or like maybe sometimes when we're trying to help somebody, maybe they're not, their motivations aren't pure and that kind of taints it. And so, um, uh, so all of that, in all of that, we want wisdom and we want knowledge and if we just felt like we had maybe just a little bit more, had a bit more wisdom or knowledge, then maybe things will work out. Have you guys ever felt that way? I feel that way all the time. Just a little bit more. Maybe somebody's onto something that I don't know and their life is better. At least it looks that way on social media, right? And so with a, with a, maybe we think sometimes like with a bit more wisdom, uh, the politicians and leaders of the world's nations or maybe the company that we work for, like with a, with a little bit more wisdom, they would get a clue and actually come up with a solution that'll be good for this world. We'd, uh, if, when we're honest, we'd love to understand the world around us just a little bit more. Maybe make, make it, maybe make it uh, easier to navigate uh, the complexities that is our life. And so we come to this text today and we are supposed to be reminded of Solomon in, in, in the biblical tradition, Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. At the time that he lived, he was the richest, he was powerful, he was influential and creative and industrious, and he was wise. In fact, he had nations come to him to get advice and wisdom, smaller nations than even his, but he had peace in his nation and peace on his borders for his reign, which was very, very rare in that day. It's still rare in our day, I think. 
But he built temples and great houses, and I'd assume, uh, well, I know that he built the infrastructure that was needed to kind of procure these things and build these things and put them all in place. And Proverbs uh, 25.2 tells us, it is the glory of God to conceal things. So it's the glory of God to hide things, but it's the glory of kings to search them out. And in this, Solomon was a searcher of concealed things. He was trying to figure out, like, what's the secrets of life? Like, how do we do this thing uh, well, and how do, we, how do we go on from it? And here we see this man telling us that he asked for wisdom, and yet we also know, if we follow the biblical tradition, that he was already given wisdom, an ample amount of wisdom by God. But in true form, wisdom seeks out more wisdom. And so that's what Solomon was doing. He was seeking out wisdom. He, being king, uh, would have almost, uh, like, it's, it's important that we know that he's a king because he had almost unlimited resources in the seeking out of wisdom and knowledge. Like, it wasn't just him in a library day and night thumbing through all the books. He had a whole nation at his disposal, and by all accounts, he used the entire nation to fulfill his purposes and his desires. Solomon had great officials, great systems, abundant wealth, plus his, his dad, King David, built up a huge storehouse of wealth for him and to build uh, the temple. And I'm pretty sure that, getting, uh, that, um, that helped him get off to a good start. But in 1 Kings 12.4, it tells us what people thought of Solomon's rule after he passed away. So right after his death, the people came to Solomon's son who was going to rule as king, and they said, your father made our yoke heavy. Remember, there's peace in the land. He, there's tons of wisdom. This man was wise. And, and now, therefore, lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us, and we will serve you. So the people, by all accounts, all, he, Solomon used his people. He used them to gain all this wisdom. So like when we come to this and we read, like, hey, I searched it out, like money, power, people, all of this was at his disposal to seek and gain wisdom. And he used it all. He used it all. And he had uh, accounts in the scriptures, say he had the best artists. He had some of the best builders and architects. He had scientists. He probably would have had astronomers, teachers, leaders. He had the best read, the smartest, the toughest, all at his beck and call all within reach, all the skill, ability, and knowledge that would have been in the world at the time he would have had access to, and he availed himself to those things at all time. And so um, and this is what he did. So if he had an idea to study such a thing, he would, he would grab the expert from that and bring him to him, and he would learn as much as he could, and he would gain all this wisdom that he could gain. And the conclusion of the whole business of a life spent of seeking and gaining wisdom is that it is unhappy. Which kind of boggles our mind because if we just had a little bit more knowledge and wisdom, like we'd just be a little happier or a little bit more enjoyment. It's all a chasing after the wind, a vapor. Have you ever tried to hold vapor? You can't. And it's vanity, vanity of vanities. The product of all this wisdom that he gained is grief, Anger and irritation. It's kind of mind-blowing, right? Like, here's this guy with all this at his disposable. And this is what the word that's used here, vexation, means. It means grief, anger, and irritation. 
The more wisdom that he got, the sadder it gets. The more wisdom he got, the more frustrated he got. The more wisdom, the more anger over the injustices, not just in the big things that everyone can see, but in the small things and the day-to-day things as well. The the, The injustice of it all. The problems that face humanity are huge and yet small at the same time, and he would have known this. And there's not enough wisdom to solve all the problems of humankind in this world. And that's what he's telling us. That's what he's telling us here. And we are supposed to, in this, think that Solomon is towards the tail end of his days. He's about to pass away. And so what he's doing for us is he's summing up all his wisdom that he gained, and he's summing it up for us. And if it, we're not very far into the book, right? We're in verses 12 uh, through 18. So we've only been through uh, 18 verses by now. And he's, all, um, he's already told us, uh, he's all here. I need to find my spot, but then we'll figure out what he told us. <laughs> uh, we're, uh, he's already told us that uh, that life is vanity. That it's a weary. It, there's a weariness to it, right? There's an exhaustion that comes with all that we're supposed to learn and the constancy of it. He's told us that there's nothing new under the sun. And he tells us that there's also sadness and grief and an unhappy business in what we're trying to go about. The world is full of crooked paths and broken ways, and we can't fix them. And even oftentimes, our, as we help, it frustrates the situation even more. I've preached in the past that we might, uh, we might get a, a way that we don't get to get away from the problems in this world. In fact, we can view them. We can see them. We don't have to turn a blind eye. We can look at the world's problems or at least be aware of them and pray for them. And while I still think this is true to a certain degree, I've been rethinking that, to be honest, because sometimes it's not always helpful for us to know everything because it just, it's really sad. It's really sad, all that goes on in in this world that, that we have. And, um, Maybe it's okay to live with a certain level of naivety. Maybe it's okay. Maybe we don't have to know everything. Maybe we don't have to be as wise as we want to be. Maybe we can limit ourselves in the knowledge that we gain. And maybe even in that, there might be a little bit of enjoyment if we can just be content with what we have. I'm not 100% sure on this, but I think that this is part of what this is saying, that the, the, the problems, the more problems there will, there will be, the less enjoyment we have because we know that even as like I'm planning sabbatical, which is pretty rad, by the way, like it's pretty rad, but like, I know that there's wars and I know that there's people still starving in my community. And I know that there's sickness and there's hunger and people are abusing one another, not just people, but nations and all this kind of stuff. It just kind of comes in and it, it takes away the enjoyment because it's like, makes me feel guilty for enjoying some things. So, um, Enjoyment is actually one of the themes of Ecclesiastes as well. Like, enjoy your life, it says over and over. But he also says that enjoyment is meaningless too, but it's better than the alternative, right? And I think we can agree with that. But we've been talking about in Ecclesiastes that Jesus came to give us life and give us life to the full. And one of the things that we know if we follow Jesus is that this world is full of broken ways. We can see it. The world is full of sin and trouble. Jesus knows this as well. He broke into the meaningless and the vanity of this world, and he brought meaning for us. 
Jesus came to mend our broken ways and to make them whole, right? Maybe he's the one that can make that crooked path straight, his life and death and resurrection. But but living for Jesus doesn't mean that life will be easier for us in the knowledge that we have. It doesn't. There's a sadness that comes along with that. And if we're not, we're not absent from the pain that Jesus felt and because Jesus felt it all and even more than we could ever feel it. And that's what Solomon is, is summing up for us. The pain that we pray to get through and seek God for, we live in the midst of this pain, believing that one day Jesus will make it all right. And in one way, he has already provided an, a way out for us on the cross. And, and he will come back to make things right once and for all. And as we follow Jesus, we don't want to neglect wisdom. Scripture is clear that like there's wisdom to be had. We want to gain from it. But we want to use wisdom to see the brokenness of life and repent from our own folly, folly and our own brokenness. And then see the, and as we see the broken ways, we can see that Jesus is the mender of our broken ways. He, he's the one that comes in. He's the one that fixes them. We know from wisdom that humanity is not great at solving problems when it comes to at least human problems, let alone anything else. There are some solutions that are brought, but again, unintended consequences reign supreme. I believe that we'd love wisdom and knowledge to set us free. That's why we seek it. But the truth is that it doesn't. And in the West, we love education and we have a big level of importance placed on it. And it's good. And it's good. It's a good thing. Like, but we have expectations that a kid graduates high school and they do what? They go to college. They go to university. And hopefully the really good students will even go into post, you know, grad school and get beyond even that. And we lift it up so that if we have a special skill or knowledge in a certain field, if we're good at figuring out or explaining some of the mysteries of this world, that that is the best and supreme thing. Now, education is not bad. Knowing those things aren't necessarily bad, but it can lead to unhappiness. And that's what Solomon is talking about. And as we try and figure out our life in the midst of the chaos of this world, as we try and figure out some of the mysteries that God has left, because honestly, there's so many of them. And as we seek wisdom, I'd li- as I believe that we're supposed to, we find out that there is more chaos than we originally thought. Than we originally thought, right? That's why I say along for the good old days. The mysteries are far wider than we know. In fact, as we unlock one of the mysteries and in the unlocking, we realize that there's 10 more hidden right behind it. And then we unlock some of those and there's more beyond that. And we are, the seek, we are seekers with wisdom when, and, and we seek new wisdom when we're met with new situations because the old wisdom isn't quite getting us through. We need to figure out a little bit more what we're supposed to do here. And honestly, it speaks of what's already been spoken about in Ecclesiastes. It's tired. And I love that he says it's an unhappy business or that's the way it's translated in the English. I love that. Because it points to the fact that we are inadequate to reach God's wisdom. Now, instead of bringing like a lack of hope, I think this can bring us joy. And I believe that this is the point, that we're inadequate. In fact, uh, Proverbs would say the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. Then wisdom lets us know just how small we are. But God doesn't leave us there, seeing how small we are, helpless. He's seen the problems that we see in this world. 
and he lets us know that they are too big and that we need someone or something bigger than us, bigger than our science, bigger than our government, bigger than our money to solve them. And we see that all these things are only mediocre solutions if they even help at all. I think about in this, I think about my time that I spent in Haiti. I spent uh, two months there in 2010 after the earthquake. It was one of the like there was over $10 billion dumped into Haiti by the time I'd gotten there after, after I'd spent there. And it was very interesting because nothing had been done. The money was spent in circles and it really actually never trickled down to heal or, or help the, the smallest people in that place. And then I come to this text and go, well, yeah, I mean, okay, like we're looking for the money to solve problems, but it doesn't. It doesn't. I'm going to end our time here with a separate sermon, actually. So a second sermon, but I'm, it's from 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 31. And I believe this will help us understand why all the wisdom that we want to gain is unobtainable, but God provides a different way for us. So this is 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 1, verse 18 through 31. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. And the discerning, the discernment of the discerning, I will thwart. There is one who is wise. There is one, uh, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly that we preach to save those who believe. For the Jews demanded signs and the Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles, but those who are, who, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, which we are a part of, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of man, or the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were noble of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in this world, one who went to the cross and died for us, to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in this world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to, to, bring to nothing things that are, so that no human might boast in the presence of God. Because of you, because of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Wisdom is meaningless, it's vanity. But our Lord's not. Let us boast in the Lord. Let us boast what Jesus has done for us. Do we need to know everything that Jesus has done for us and know all the technical language? No. But do we get to believe that Jesus died for our sins, and that he rose on the third day? Yes. And is that foolishness? Is it silliness? Kind of. But you know what? God has been good enough 
to show us this. Jesus won a great battle by dying and by rising again. It's foolishness in this world, but it's not our own wisdom. It's not even wisdom in itself that saves us, but it's our life that is hidden in Jesus, in his life, his death, and his resurrection, that we find our life in the foolish things of this world. So I believe these verses in Ecclesiastes 1 through, or 1, 12 through 18 to be true. I believe, I also believe that God is using the weak and the lowly and despised things of this world so that we might not boast. It's not our ability. It's Christ's ability and it's all in Him. And so I pray for us here at Grace and Mercy Church that we will rest in and on Jesus for our everything, including our wisdom and our knowledge in life. And so let us go from there and find our meaning in Christ because that is the place that can make crooked paths straight. And that is the place where we, were, we are lacking nothing. And we find our love and our life. So Jesus, I pray that we will not be discouraged by our lack of wisdom, by our lack of knowledge, Lord, but instead we can find our life in you, Lord, in the the foolishness of just believing that our sins are forgiven. Lord, I pray that we can find great hope in that, that we can find our life in that, and that you will be with us forevermore in that. In Jesus' name, amen.